Today on the No City on the Sideline Dab podcast, episode number 23, I have a question for you. How does fear play a role in your life? We'll answer those questions with my guest, John C. Morgan, next on the podcast. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, I really want to say thank you for being here. I know it's a dad and a parent and a daughter. Time's limited. We're busy people. Thank you for listening. And this is your first time listening. Welcome. I want to say that it means a lot that you are here. I'm just like you trying to figure out this life one day at a time. This is a podcast about having a conversation what it means to be an adult and a parent. The issues and topic related to being a parent and a busy adult. Let's get involved. There's no more sitting on the sideline. Life is too short. This would be a podcast dedicated to have a sense of community. What I mean by that is have a sense of community. I mean, that's the reason why I do the podcast. I want to talk to you. Say hello and see what you, how, how things are going for you. There'll be interviews and topics about getting involved. We're all going through some same issues. I mean, I, what I mean is I, challenges. I hate saying the same issues because not everything's the same, but similar. I know being an adult and stuff and parents, it's not easy. I am not an expert, just a dad. An adult on a journey trying to take one day at a time in this crazy world. On today's podcast, we're talking about fear. There was this video I keep seeing on Facebook. It's Will Smith talking about fear. He begins talking about him and his buddies are having a few drinks. And the topic about skydiving came up. (laughs) Skydiving, jumping into a perfectly good airplane. And it made me think about fear. And he talks he talks about the next day when they all met and how he couldn't sleep the night before because he was scared. The fear of jumping out of an airplane. And he talks about being in the airplane, seeing the lights going from red, yellow to green. And the door opens, he stands there, and, and then the people go, go on three. One, two, push him out of the airplane. The the one thing I took away from that whole video, and I'll the link in the show notes, was a quote. God placed the best things in life on the other side of terror. On the other side of maximum fear is all the best things in life. Fear controls our lives. Jumping through fear and finding the good things what life's waiting for on the other side is important because life's too short. Today, my guest is John C. Morgan. And his book is The War on Fear. We talk about fear of rejection, fear of success, and how fear plays in our lives. It was a great conversation about fear and how it has and it can control you. Let's jump right into the interview. Today on the podcast, my guest is John C. Morgan. He's a dad, author, and a really good George Bush impersonator. John, welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you. It's great to be here, Joseph. Well, um, one thing I guess start off a question is, what is one of the interesting experiences you had as a as a George Bush impersonator? I, I was curious because I'm always just fascinated. Well, it, the fact that I am a George Bush impersonator pales in comparison to the fact that I'm a really good George Bush impersonator, and I and I say that because um, I've seen a lot of uh, folks who. Uh, get into that field because they sort of resemble somebody and um, they have fun with it and it's great and it's it's a it's a wonderful thing but I've actually made a living at being a George Bush impersonator for the last 13 years and if you do the math a lot of those years are after George Bush was out of office and the reason that's possible is because uh, I'm really good at it and I don't say that to brag. I just say that to explain why I've been able to do it full time and why it still works. Um, I'm walking through an airport. People are tapping me on the shoulder. Has anybody told you you look like George W. Bush? And then all of a sudden they stop and they go, wait, are you George W. Bush? You know, <laughs> it's, it's just pretty crazy. So when the uh, GOP hired me to do uh, a, a – replica of the Oval Office photo opportunity during the inaugural ceremonies of George W. Bush's second inauguration. I'm telling you, that was off the chain. um, I had so much fun. They had a line wrapped around the hotel, uh, or at least least going all the way through, all the way through the lobby from one end to the other of the hotel. And, um, and, and then of course my wife, Laura, I I mean, Kathy and I uh, got, (laughs) Uh, got to go to the inaugural balls, and that was crazy too because people were like, "Oh my gosh, it's George W. Bush!" And uh, <laughs> it was so fun, you know, walking up to random Secret Service agents and just tapping them on the shoulder, saying, hey, "Where am I supposed to be?" You know, they pull them a little bit, they get a little, you know. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, they jump. They, huh? <laughs> <laughs> when when we first arrived in town um, during that. Uh, event, we were hired by a Dulles International Airport to to do a stand-in for George and Laura Bush as people were coming to town to go to the inauguration. My wife um, doesn't look like Laura Bush, but when she puts on the, a Laura Bush wig, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's pretty passable. And you can actually see a copy of us as George and Laura Bush in my new book, War on Fear, which of course we'll get to. But uh, so then they hired a limo to drive the two of us into town <laughs> And this limo driver apparently had dreamed since he was a little boy of being the Air Force, the uh, presidential limo driver, because from the moment we stepped up to his car, he was laughing and he just was he was jovial. He he, he couldn't he, he could he couldn't stop looking back into the back seat and, you know, just I'm driving the president, you know, <laughs> it, it just I mean, he would you know, it was the festive fest. Uh, Festivious, <laughs> I, my words escape me. I, I'm too much like George W. Bush. I have to, I make up. <laughs> um, you know, he would pull up to stoplights, and there'd be all kind of people on the sidewalk because they were all in town for the inauguration. You know, mm-hmm. and he would honk the horn and roll my window down. <laughs> and then, of course, my wife Kathy and I, of course, just obligatory would wave at the crowd, you know, and then he would roll the window back up, you know, the tinted, tinted glass, nobody could see in and people on the crowd and the sidewalks would just go nuts. 
<laughs> that was the president. That was the president. <laughs> it's just, and Kathy and I were laughing too, but we were laughing mostly at the limo driver who just was uncontrolled. You have four sons. What do your sons think about your, your George Bush impersonation stuff? Well, they love it. Thank you for asking. They're all sick and tired of being Secret Service agents, though. <laughs> <clears throat> I've made the, I've made them all do it. <laughs> and uh, Dad, please get somebody else. You know, they they at first it's fascinating, and then it's like oh, I just have to stand here. Ay, ay, ay. And then the funny thing is they're 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 all boyish looking blondes. You know, oh, <laughs> so they don't exactly fit the role of the Jack Bauer type, you know? <laughs> no, no, not really. No, no. Well, well I guess that's a good segue into you being a dad. What is your what, what is your biggest win as a dad? Do you remember being a father? What is like, because you have four sons, so, I mean, you got, it's not like you got, you and your wife are playing zone, you know, zone defense. It's, it's um. what is your biggest win as a dad? I would say, Joe, that it's making the decision to be a stay-at-home dad. And, and making the decision to allow my wife to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, for the first uh, 20 years or so of our marriage, I worked in a uh, 9-to-5 business that also included Saturdays uh, a lot of times. And it was, it was difficult because uh, although I would come home at the end of the day, you know, a lot of weekends I had to work. And uh, it was taxing on the family. But uh, I was... Uh, able to allow my wife to homeschool our four kids. So that was uh, really good because we had uh, a lot more influence in their lives than we would have had had we sent them to public education. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not downing, you know, please, I'm, because that was my choice, please believe me, I, I, I don't uh, question anyone else's choice for how they educate their kids, but we're really glad we did it the way we did. It was fun. It, it must have been it must have been a, a fun experience because your sons are growing up now, right? In yes, yes, and they're all. They, uh, and you have grandkids. I do. I have five lovely grandkids. They're they're all crazy and rambunctious, just like their parents. It must be fun. You get to spoil them and send them back to the, your sons. Go ahead, take them back. Yeah, well, believe me, that's what we do. It's a little hard now though because they've mostly uh, left the nest. My my two older sons have kids, and my two younger sons. Uh, sons do not have kids yet, so they're they're still single. And uh, the two older ones, one has relocated to, can you believe it, San Francisco with his wife. Oh wow! And uh, he's got an awesome job, but it's pretty darn far away. So we don't we don't uh, get to see them as often as we would like. Thank I thank the Lord every day for Facebook, so we get a chance to to physically see their faces, but it's, we can't hug them and be there with them and you know, play with them. It, when they're away, they, you miss them. You miss them. Oh, yes. Yes, and um, I can totally understand that. Well, I guess another segue is to talk about your book on fear, The War on Fear. I, I like the title. I really do like the title because I guess what does it mean to you? Because fear can, can really hinder people. Well, Joseph, the book named itself, and I'll, I'll explain that. Um, I was in church one day, and you know, I, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, and uh, the, the stuff that I read in the Bible, the exploits that Christians were able to do back in the early days, right now I'm reading through the book of Acts, and, which means I just finished reading the Gospels. So I'm reading all these amazing things that people did back in the day, but when I think about doing things like that, there's this automatic shutdown, like there's a disconnect. 
Like there's a some some paradigm that says that was then, this is now. Nobody gets to live like that. Mm-hmm. And and I I I I believe that that thing that shuts those things down is unbelief. And once uh, one day I was in church and all of a sudden it occurred to me, it's like I had this momentary uh, glimpse of inspiration and I realized how much unbelief had stolen from my life in, in terms of what could have been things that I wanted to do, but then were, they were quickly shut down by unbelief and I'll get to fear in a minute. Mm-hmm. And so I got mad in the middle of a worship service at church. I got really angry just on the inside personally mm-hmm. and and out loud i declared i declare war on unbelief i said it out loud to the air i didn't care who listened i said it pretty loud actually and uh <clears throat> and the atmosphere changed around me it was like i felt god say i could deal with that i i could enjoy taking you on a journey of a war on unbelief because unbelief is one of the reasons that Christians don't do more. And so I set out studying what unbelief is, how it works, how it affects us. And then it was a few months later, and this is getting to the war and fear part when I was alone in my home and all of a sudden it occurred to me that fear had had a similar impact on me. Fear had prevented me from many exploits as I told you before we started the podcast, I've been meaning to start a podcast for a couple of years now, and uh, fear has played a significant role in me not getting started, and I'm still working through that. Even though I wrote the book, War on Fear, there, there's, you know, in the book I say, I, I'm not saying I've arrived. I'm saying I'm at war. Mm-hmm. The, the, vic- the victory's not won yet, but it's, it's being uh, fought and, and, and victorious, I might add. I've uh, come a come against many, many fears and overcome them and learned a lot about how they operate. So anyway, I'm at home alone and I understand that fear has been stealing from me, had been really holding me in a prisoner and had been warring against me. So out loud in my home, I shouted, I declare war on fear. (laughs) And I meant, and I meant it, you know? And so now I have another front in this personal war against things that are already at war with me to my understanding. And uh, so War on Fear named itself. And as I began to study fear, I began to understand how it operates, uh, what its motives are. And, and so I thought, I can serve other people. As I'm learning these things, uh, the, some of the stuff is revolutionary. And, uh, and, and it's also so very, very simple. You know, and, and people are so debilitated by, by fear. If they could understand these few things, it could really serve them to uh, uh, fight their own fear and get on with the dreams and ambitions that are in their heart. So I thought, well, I'm going to include others, and I just started, started to write the book. Um, fear itself came against that book in a big way. And I started to write it, and I started to write it. And I started to write it. <laughs> so, so, but it's so writing the book and fear played a, a big part in it. What are you afraid that people would um, not read it, or what was the fear behind that? Is it, you know, there's there's there there's a fear of um, there's a thing called the fear of success. As I thought about completing the book and it being out there, 
I thought, can I, could I handle it if it became a bestseller? Could I, could I deal with how my life might change? Um, do I really want to stir up that hornet's nest fear? You know, um, what kind of entities will come against me if I, you know, launch a full out assault against fear, you know? Um, and, and also I'm a horrible procrastinator just personally. I, I just have a difficult time, um, finishing projects. And I'm just, just be honest that, you know, I, I gain nothing by being a phony other than, other than when I'm George W. Bush, you know? Uh, so, um, you know, I, I'm just a real person who struggles with, uh, completing projects, but by the grace of God, I did finish it. And the reason, and the way I finished it, I called my best friend and record producer, Joel Balin. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Joel's a pastor up in the Atlanta area. And I said, Joel, when I wrote my first book, the same thing happened. I, I manby pambied around and just kind of kicked it around until I got a partner and Vince helped me write the book. We set up a schedule and we knocked it out pretty quickly. I said, would you consider helping me with this book? And, uh, it took me, it, it, I really had to work up a lot of nerve to ask him for that because I have a hard time asking people for things. Mm -hmm. And that stems from my fear of rejection that I've now overcome, but was huge in my life growing up, just enormous. And if you read about the story of me dropping out of the drama club out of, anyway, we can tell that story later. But, but uh, so, so Joel said, sure, I'll help you. And in a very quick order, the two of us working together were able to knock it out. And uh, I'm, I'm pleased to say it, 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 it is a bestseller or it, it was a bestseller for a short period of time on Amazon. And I'm uh, proud of that. And, uh, the, the book's got um, wonderful five and a few four-star reviews, and people are really benefiting from it. I'm so excited. Well, it's one thing. It's funny you say fear. I, I, I was scared of coming on the interview with you this morning. I mean, jumping into – I mean, every time I, I, I in the, an interview on a podcast because I'm, oh, I'm, I'm scared. I was scared up to 8.15 before we got to the conversation. And I'm like, why am I scared? I'm just going to jump in, have a conversation with John because – you just you just seem like a real nice a real nice guy when all the interviews I've heard and read your book. So I'm like, what am I scared of? I just jumped, and I'm right in the interview with you right now. Yes, yes, it's so exciting. Once we once we step across, fear uh, presents itself um, with worst case scenarios, and um, it tries to stop us from doing the thing that's right in front of us. And and you know it's it's part biology. It's just the way we're made up physically uh, as human beings, because you know even dogs and people share the emotion of fear. You know, dogs. I mean, you know, any animal. You name it. They 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 can be frightened. A little mouse, and so there's something um, just chemical that is part of our makeup that causes us to be afraid of things that could threaten us. You know, I could be a meanie. You know. Uh, <laughs> I could reject you, you know, yeah. and, and so we are afraid of those things, but there's also a spiritual, uh, dimension to fear as well. And, um, God's enemy, the devil really, uh, does not want us to accomplish good things because it, it makes God look good and he hates God. So, uh, he uses the natural chemical release in our mind of, uh, you know, the fight or flight and those things to stop us from uh, moving forward in things that could help us 
or help others. It's it's an interesting thing. And one of the things I talk about, and sometimes I talk about fear. And one of the things in your book was the pebble in the pond. I don't know if you want to talk a little about mm. that. That's an interesting one. Yes, you know, it, it occurred to me, Joe, that uh, when well, this actually this podcast is a very good example. You and I are having a conversation. If I share something with you that impacts you enough to share it with someone else, then that's a ripple. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. uh, every t- every time we have a a platform from which to speak, and that platform could simply be your wife, it could be your kids, it could be your neighborhood, it could be a party. You know, every time you open your mouth to communicate, you're actually influencing because because what we do tells other people this is my opinion this is how i feel this is what i think and we're all listening because we all learn through imitation and that's part of my first book my life is a bush <laughs> um and so uh, the the uh it's like a ripple effect you know it's like dropping a pebble into a pond um the the pebble goes down the water comes back up and it creates this uh you know this uh, ever-expanding concentric ring of circles, which is an analogy for influence. And the bigger the pebble, if you and I are talking, that's that's a pebble. But you have a podcast. You have listeners on your podcast. So that's like bigging, dropping a big stone. It has much, much more influence. The, the, the ripples last much longer, um, and they are stronger in their influence and in their impact on the lives of others. And that so that's kind of the pebble in the pond idea. Because you never know who's listening. I mean, you, you like an impact on a person, especially a podcast or or, or a, a YouTube video or even a blog. You never know who's reading or listening. Who 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 can impact in their life? That is such such a fact. It is uh, it's a it's an honor to try to carry my life in such a way that I will uh, always have hopefully um, good influence. And, and, and I've gotten the habit of it. You know, it just, it just took, it just took the time to get into the habit of it. And it started when I was a dad, when I was a younger, I'm still a dad, of course, but when I was a young dad, um, people say that they, that children don't hear what you say as much as they see what you do. And that's what they, imp- they, uh, imitate, they imitate what you do. My, my, my own earthly father, and I'm, you know, this is not to his credit, but he used to have a saying, don't do what I do, do what I say. <laughs> and <clears throat> I never said back to him, well, that's a little hypocritical, but <laughs> the fact is it was, you know, and uh, because we do what we see, um, not what, what they say so, so much. Actions speak louder than words. So uh, I learned early on in my uh, fatherly career <laughs> to um, do things and say things that I want to be repeated. Well, I mean, I have a um, three-to-go-on, four-year-old son, and I can see that too, imitating me um, or saying things the way I say it. All of a sudden, he's following me around doing the same exact thing or was bumping into me, so I can see what you're saying because I'm in that stage right now. He listens, but he doesn't, he, you know, he's four years old, so I can see him imitating me or his mom. Oh, yeah, and and when you get older, Joe, and you start having grandkids, mm-hmm. like I, the other day I, I walked into my bedroom and my, my number two son has now returned to the nest. Mm-hmm. He and his he and his wife and two kids, and two cats, <laughs> and dog, um, moved moved back home. <laughs> 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 so it's temporary. They're actually 
um, they're actually uh, transitioning out to Colorado. So that's sad. But I mean, it was a good way f- to make us say yes because you know it's like, well, we won't. We'll you'll be in the same boat with uh, our oldest son Chris yeah. shortly. So we want to get to love on you and you know. So I just let's just hope one month doesn't turn into three years. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see how that goes, but, but the, yeah, the, the, uh, reason I say that, uh, I walked into my bedroom and my grandson Gibson was walk clunking around in my cowboy boots, <laughs> you know, and it's so fun to watch him cause he's the spitting image of his dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way he acts, the way he's goofy and his dad is a spitting image of his dad. Yeah. So that's, that's another ripple in the pond. That's a good way. That's a good analogy. That's a good way to put it. I, I, I can see that. Um, I think another thing, too, is the fear of insignificance and bullying. I read that in your book, and I, and I thought that was very interesting because, I mean, I've experienced that as, as a kid, in, in, uh, and most kids do, and especially if you're quiet and shy. And I was wondering if you want to elaborate a little bit on that. Uh, the bullying that I endured almost on a daily basis for years growing up to this day, I'm sad to say, uh, tries to inf- impact my activities, tries to this day to intimidate me and keep me from doing the things that I want to do. Fortunately, through writing this book and, and study and prayer and things like that, I understand the psychology behind bullying now. And I understand uh, why it had such a profound impact on my life. And it has given me power over those influences now. Um, and, and so I'm able to move forward without a hesitation. Whereas I used to not be able to, uh, engage in the thing I wanted to do because of fear. It's, um, it's interesting because you don't realize, I mean, I guess we have, we can have perspective because we're, um, all older adults that when we can see kids going through it and like, and it does affect you as an adult. It really does affect you and your decisions every day. I think. Oh, yeah. And uh, movie makers understand this, too, because uh, you'll see uh, people, you know, I'm thinking of a particular movie called Central Intelligence. Mm-hmm. And it's a funny movie with The Rock. And um, it, it's it's a great comedy, but it it, it deals a lot with bullying. And the, the uh, one character overcomes his bullying, becomes a, just this very strong person personality, you know. But um there's this moment where the kid that bullied him early in the movie tries to do it again because he sees this guy as the weak little kid he was in high school, even though he doesn't look any, he's the rock, okay? He doesn't look anything like the weak little kid he was in high school. And for a second, it seems like the rock melts back into that kid, you know? <laughs> and then he beats the crap out of the guy. So, yeah, well, it's, the rock. <laughs> it, it worked, yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah. So, but but it, the 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 point is the the effect of bullying can go on throughout our entire life if we don't understand it and get a handle on it and overcome it. And and that's one of the things I help people with in the book War on Fear. It's making most the because it it makes you second guess yourself as you get older. You want to be accepted. Oh, absolutely. It, it debilitated me in high school. I mean, I I wouldn't walk up to a group and get involved in a conversation because I was just sure I would say something stupid and I would be rejected. And so I, I, you know, I became very quiet. Now I was fine if I was on a stage with a guitar because I was in control of that situation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I knew what would happen. I knew where it was going. I was in control of it. 
So you get me on a stage, get me behind a microphone, no problem. And it's funny that a lot of comedians are like that. Yeah. They they come from difficult uh, childhoods with with uh, rough starts in life, and getting on the stage is their moment to shine. It's a moment where they can control the atmosphere, and and they'll take that risk because they're good at it. Yeah. It's it's an interesting phenomenon how people who are relatively shy can get behind a microphone and and they just come out. It's it's interesting. I, I have to ask you, because it's a little bit off topic about your book, and I saw a video of you in an, air, in an airplane using the um, the PA system. Did you, I, did you remember that, anything like that? Um, um, I've done that so many times that, that I don't know which one it was. But um, I, don't, I don't know if you experienced doing that, though, getting up and start imitating George Bush. I had to ask you. I just remember that now. You know, I'll get these prompts, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I used to, uh, in my head, it's just a thought. Um, and I used to absolutely just dismiss every time something like that would happen, I would dismiss it, but I started listening to these little prompts. Um, I'm a very outgoing person and, um, I got shut down because of bullying, but before I started getting bullied, um, as a, as a little kid, four or five years old, I was, I was bold. I was, um, I would, I could walk up to anybody and start a conversation and I only remember a couple of instances from my childhood, but um, God's given me back that that sense of um, interest in other people that causes me to be willing to start a conversation. And uh, so I have had the opportunity to break out my guitar or my ukulele in the airport mm-hmm. at, at a gate and just go into George Bush and, and sing God Bless the USA and you know, and, and it's it's fun, Joe. It's it's like there's always this moment of panic where am I going to do it? Am I not? Am I going to do it? Am I not? And then I do it, and it lifts. It I've never seen it fail. It lifts everyone's mood. You know, so I'll take the risk of of um, ridiculousness or being laughed at in order to serve people, and that's and that's kind of what it is. I put myself out there. Maybe some people are mocking me. I really don't care because. I'm not doing it to not be mocked or to be mocked or whatever. I'm doing it to be a blessing. And I'm doing it because I'm a little bit of an egotist, too. I must admit. <laughs> it's, um, it, when we just have this thought, we have this conversation as part of the conversation, it brought me back to um, when I was young, before, you know, before bullying and everything like that. I used to, um, my, my stepdad used to take me to the church and we used to go soul winning. We used to go down to random talk to people about Christ. And try to get and talk about Christ and try to get him say um, not try to you know bring him to Jesus, and, right? And I remember that and, and, and that and that and that and then you're like oh I could do this and as you get older it, it, you, you just, you know, I don't want to the fear of rejection, right? Right. The way I handle things like that is I wait for it to come up in a natural conversation, and uh, uh, you know this is this actually uh, raises uh, uh, an interesting thought. Um, one day I was standing in the lobby, uh, of a conference at a large convention center where, um, I had spoken and, and now I'm standing there in the lobby because I'm, your listeners may not know, I, I'm, I'm not merely, and not that, not this, this is a small thing. It is cool to be a George Bush impersonator, but I've used it as a platform to expand into being a motivational speaker, into being a, a, a Christian uh, inspirational speaker. Uh, I'm also a singer songwriter and as you know, an author. So 
um, I, I use it as a platform, as a launching place to share truth, wisdom, and to try to serve other people. So I had spoken at this motivational co- conference. That, you know, it was a day-long event, and there were a lot of other speakers. And I was standing out in the lobby with my friend Dale, who is a Bill, Bill Clinton impersonator. Wonderful guy, just one of my best friends. And um, we were standing there, and a, a couple approached us, and uh, I could tell they were, they were smiling. They, I could tell they just wanted to get a picture with the presidents, you know. But as they were walking up, the word eternity flashed in my mind and it just kind of out of nowhere. So I felt like that was the Lord giving me a hint of something that I needed to engage in a conversation with them about that. Perhaps it meant that their soul was in a state of being ready. Perhaps, perhaps they'd had all kinds of conversations about where they're going to die and go, you know, after they die. And so you know, I didn't have time to think all that through. I'm, I'm sharing it with you now. But when they approached, I shook their hands. I said, what's your name? You know, try to be friendly. And then I said, you know, I just have a question for you. Do you ever think about eternity? And the girl says, yes. You know, and, and you know, do you, do you have any idea where you'll spend eternity? You know, because after we die, our souls go on. Do you, do you, have you ever thought, yes, I have. You know, so I use that uh, as an opportunity to share what, what the Bible has to say about where we'll spend our eternity. And, um, and after it was done, I, I, I used that as a springboard to launch into just a few moments. It only took a couple of minutes. Uh, my own story and how I changed uh, my eternal destiny. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the conversation, I said to her, and so... I gave my life to Christ, and I remember it like it was yesterday. It was March 5th, 1975, and when I said that, she goes, oh, and I go, oh, what? And she goes, that's the day I was actually born. Oh, wow. That's interesting. That's a, wow. Yeah, what a coincidence. So, so then I prayed with her, and that became the day she was born again into the kingdom of God. So what, what a cool story she has to tell. She and her boyfriend both gave their lives to Christ right there on the spot. And so, you know, listening to those little nudges and being willing to take the risk of rejection, yep. the risk of looking stupid, the risk of being wrong, because, you know, you can get those thoughts and maybe it's indigestion, too, you know. <laughs> um, but 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 look how I mean, talk about influence, talk about a ripple effect, you know, wow. her whole future is now going to be different. Her, when I say future, I mean future forever future. Mm-hmm. So that, that's just so cool. Well, that, that's wow. The, the day she was born, wow, that's a, that is pretty cool. Um, I guess we could say it was um, wrapping up. Any final thoughts, and we, think, and we can connect you with the book and stuff like that. Oh man, really? I thought I felt like we were just getting started. <laughs> I hate this. Oh yeah. Well, let, <clears throat> yes. To, if I could speak directly to your listeners, I'd like to say to your friends, um, please get a copy of War on Fear because if you do, you really will be continuing this conversation because I wrote the book like a conversation and it, it, it goes through systematically through different kinds of fear that we need to overcome. It goes through and talks about the nature of fear, um, why it affects us the way it does, how it affected me the way it does and, uh, the way it did and the way it still does and, and what to do about it, how, how silly it is to allow fear to stop us from our life's 
dream, from our soul's ambition. We were meant to shine. We were created to maximize this life. We were created to accomplish literally all of the things in our heart. And fear is the stupid little thing that's in the way that stops us. And it doesn't need to be that way. And I'm so thrilled to say to you that if you pick up a copy of my book, you will be equipped to walk past fear and accomplish all that's in your heart. Now, it doesn't mean you will. You know, uh, it, you have to do what the book says. You know, it's like I gave an illustration once. You can drink from a sippy cup your whole life, mm-hmm. or you can learn how to drink from a beer stein. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, you can, you, you have to grow. It, you can never ride a bike, or you can learn how to ride a bike. It takes some muscle memory. It takes some practice. But you start small and and you grow. And it's it's really quite easy if you start where you are with the very simple things and you take one step at a time. I love the movie that contains the, f- the phrase baby steps because it's exactly how this works. You, you, you start small and you grow and you grow and you grow. And you next, next thing you find yourself, you're pretty fearless. Well, thank you, John. Where, where they can touch you? The website? Oh, my, my website? Well, first of all, they can get the book on Amazon or their favorite retailer um, online. I don't think it's on the shelves, but, um, uh, it's war- They can also get it from my site. And if you buy it from me personally, uh, you'll get an autographed copy. And so I, it, in the form, it asks you to, you know, put who you want it autographed to, and you can, uh, you can write there what you'd like me to say, that sort of thing. That's war on fearbook.com war on fearbook. Dot com. And once you go there, you'll also be at my website. If you scroll up and down, you'll be at the johncmorgan.com website. Well, thank you, John. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. It was, very, it was a um, great, great conversation. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I'd love to get a, a copy of it so I can share it with my friends, too. <laughs> okay. Thank you. God bless. Well, that's all I have for this episode. I want to thank you for joining me on the Note City on the Sideline Dad podcast. I want to say thank you for John for being on the podcast. I really had a lot of good takeaways from this interview. You can find more about John in his book on his website, johncmorgan.com. Or you can find it on Amazon and any bookstore like Barnes and Nobles and stuff like that. If you order the book from John, he will autograph the book for you and specialize whatever you want to say. Also, you can find all the show notes for this podcast episode at nosittingonthesideline.com slash 23. Please comment on the podcast. All comments improve the podcast. You know, negative or positive, just please try to keep it constructive. You can find all my contact information at notesittingonthesideline.com slash contact. Please subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Teacher, and Google Play, all the podcast catchers. I guess one thing I took away from this podcast episode is facing my fears and overcoming them would be a good example to my son. It's fun pushing myself to get out of my comfort zone. There's more to life than fearing it. Success and happiness on the other side of fear. Thank you for your time. Until next time, have fun. Get involved with your children. Hug them and tell them you love them. Life's short. Take care. God bless. See ya. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the newsletter to receive updates of the show and helpful and useful tips. This has been a production of Foley 42 Media.